Join the revolution. Fuck it. The fuck it button is the power button. Everyone has a fuck it button, but no two fuck it buttons are the same. Say no to fear, overthinking, shame and judgment. Life is short. Fuck it. This podcast explores when guests have, wish they had, would and could press their fuck it button. I'm Zoe Lem and this is the Fuck It Button. Jemima Sara is a multidisciplinary, provocative and expressive artist. She discovered a way to communicate her feelings, frustrations and struggles using the medium of art. As an outlet to heal from trauma, stress and past events in a way that became both therapeutic and joyful all in one. Jemima Sara unleashed a tool that has gone on her to be her power to tackle challenging topics in a non-verbal way that has helped others to connect and to share experiences. Her work has been showcased in many big galleries, exhibitions and stores within the industry, including Wolf and Badger, Anthropology, Miller Harris, Samsung, the Design Festival and many more. Drawing on her experience in body positivity, eating disorders, insecurities, health, trauma and much more, Jemima Sara invites her audience to tackle such subjects with enlightenment and visually investigate to the eye and express, learn and be inspired. Welcome to the podcast, Jemima Sara. Thank you for having me. (laughs) How does that feel being described externally like that? It's actually terrifying because I never know what anyone's going to (laughs) say. Listen, to be fair, I don't either. I was just saying to you, I can't always read my own writing, so you never know. (laughs) I can't read my own writing. I have so much text in my work and someone's like, what did you mean when you wrote that? And I'm like, I actually don't know. I don't actually know what it says. Well, I don't know whether my writing says that I should have been a doctor or dyslexic or something. I'm not really sure. Some under discovered something or other. <laughs> Maybe a mixture of them. Maybe a mixture of them. <laughs> so you are an artist of many forms. I am. So I think rather than discuss the background of that straight away, I just want to understand a bit of what makes you tick. So I want to ask you, what brings you joy and happiness? Oh gosh. Well, I always used to say art, but when something becomes like your like a business or your, yeah, a career <laughs> that obviously comes with lots of stress. Yeah. So does it, it change it? Um, when I'm like actually painting, like headphones on, painting away, I'm like, no, this is like my pure state of happiness. Yeah. Like I can't believe I'm here. But when I'm doing everything surrounding that, which is ninety percent of the time, yeah, the admin, the marketing, the yeah, all of the stress, the sales stuff, pitch, the... literally like endless pitching, applying for grants, yeah. like applying to like do public funding, all the, all this stuff. It's yeah. kind of like that's obviously part of the journey, but yeah. not what makes me tick. Yeah, um, I I don't know what makes me tick. Probably making stuff just for me yeah so like just so the stuff that's not commissioned maybe the yeah. stuff that's not for a client it's it's, it's just... for you as a form of therapy or yeah. as, as 
as kind of expression. Literally, and sometimes it's not even like, I probably even shouldn't say this, but <laughs> sometimes it's just like when I'm on holiday and I draw like a really plain, simple landscape, like something that well, why really- should, Why shouldn't you say that? I mean, I don't know, because it's not like in line with it's my It's not in, on brand. Yeah, <laughs> it's not on brand. Um, yeah, I don't but, know. I mean, you're an artist because you like expressing yourself, you have a talent, but I mean, outside of actually it being a talent, it's a tool for communication, isn't it? I mean, especially for you with how you use your art, yeah. it's beyond creating imagery that people put on a wall and enjoy looking at. Oh, it's, yeah. it's it's different, isn't it? I mean, and there's different types of even sort of two-dimensional art. It's, totally. it's, it's the intention, isn't it? It's the intention and also the purpose and usage of it, of the end user too, isn't yeah. it? I always, um, I always thought art growing up was something to be put on a wall and appreciated um yeah. but obviously since kind of like learning and my own experience of kind of using art as a tool to heal myself yeah. I realized that it's so much more than that like art can be used to tell a story art can be used to kind of change people's like decisions and narratives yeah. art can be used as like a pit like a really political tool to change people's public opinions on certain matters and the environment and feminism and all these yeah. different things and i think kind of when you boil down to it everything can be art it's yeah. just the way that you look at it yeah um so do you think it's about the intention behind it as to whether it becomes art or is it then I mean, I guess there's the intention behind the creator yeah. and then there's the perception and purpose behind the mm. uh, viewer, user, totally. client or whatever. I think it depends where it is, but I think um, whoever's making it doesn't always know what the intention is behind that. Sometimes I make work mm. and I know that it's much bigger than me and I don't know where yeah, it's come from. By, yeah, by some Some subconscious or... thing. Yeah. Um, and I know that kind of sounds a bit weird, but it, it's no. sometimes like way bigger than what I could ever imagine it to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, my work itself comes from just freedom of expression and daily life. So I think we can kind of express what we want and what we want to be and humor and pain through mm. art. Yeah. Whereas we can't do that a lot in other um, mediums. I mean, for example, singing and music's a great example of this as well. Yeah. Um, but I do think that art, you kind of can just get one message across. Yeah. And well, like, art can just be words, can't it? It doesn't actually have to be pictures. It's, no, exactly. You know, I mean, another artist down here, Hayden Kay's, a lot of his is, is wording, isn't it? Yeah. Like yours, you know, quite often, there's not pictures with it. Sometimes it is just the words. And yeah. it's, you know, it, I guess it's what the actual words are, the style that they're written, the yeah. the sort of, the whole background to it and, and how that's encapsulated. But I guess it's, people say art is in the eye of the beholder, but it's, it's there's, there's two, well, unless it's group work, but there's two people involved, isn't there? There's kind of the person that's viewing it yeah. or consuming it and the person that's Who's creating it. it. And then there's something magical in between. Oh yeah, and I there? love and that. And it's like, that's the, and I guess you don't always, it's how much of that part of the process is important, isn't it, for different mm. artists? And I guess that's whether or not you're creating art that gets straight into the home or whether you're doing art that sits in a gallery and you actually don't always 
get to be a part of that second bit of the journey. Yeah, and it's, know, it's so, that's so true. Actually, I find this balance so hard yeah. because I sell merch as well. And so I'm making things to be bought. Yeah. So for people to kind of wear on T-shirts or, yeah. you know, use as a tea towel. And then I'm also making work to like make a social stance and like change a narrative or I'm also making work as well to be in galleries yeah. um, and sell to because it's a society we live in we live in a capitalist society we've all got to make money <laughs> Woo. Um, <laughs> but also by someone buying it they're putting some level of value on it so I don't think that yeah. it's it you know the, the sort of commercial element of it doesn't again it's intention isn't it it doesn't mm. have to just be about the capitalism it's also again that relationship that someone that's consuming it mm. is putting some value on it so the reason i and do it's, it's conceptual and it's a subjective it's a subjective objective you know it's yeah so it is. putting is. some level of value on it with any art whether it's in a gallery or merchandise or putting some level of value is is kind of um isn't necessarily just about selling out or you know commercialization totally. of it is it totally i mean i had it um i've been having this conversation a lot recently um because when i was at uni i was doing my masters my tutor told me that i was a sellout and i was like excuse me what, what? were the foundations <laughs> for those comments just just by selling merch and i was just like by, by literally selling you were selling out yeah well, i mean like yeah i sold everything i had sold out brilliant thanks so much for I can buying my the bills. last 10 t-shirts <laughs> literally <laughs> thank you so much i don't need another job what i can the, work I, do you know what art, I, I had i had an art teacher that kind of didn't told me not to go to apply for a degree you have to do a foundation you can't do this you can't do that Ugh. i'm just like anyone that tells anyone they can't do it i mean either you are knocking their confidence and they'll never do it or you're just driving them forward which is what happens to me you Literally. are just thank you every time that you know someone <laughs> says it in retrospect sometimes and now you know in general i'm like thank you very much you have just given me <laughs> that extra layer of fuel i needed to make sure i do do it like, literally yeah it's funny it's, that isn't yeah. it because sometimes when you get people surrounding you being like yeah this is great this is great there's nothing really like i need to work against things yeah. that's how i work so when my tutor was like oh i wrote a whole kind of like pitch article on like why it's good to be a sellout and how we should celebrate being a sellout and yeah. all of this stuff and i was doing and i was like this is so exciting because you know it's viewed for such a long time that if you're an artist you kind of go with a gallery and you follow that gallery and that's great but you've got to wait until your work sells yeah. and you've got to follow that your particular style your control you. isn't it then? it's completely the, the whole style of um creating and consuming with your art is it's it's not waiting it's no. it's kind of you're reacting as far as the content and messaging whether it's reacting to your own situation or external situations or messages or you know mm. there's a level of activism in there oh yeah um and that activism doesn't stand still it no, keeps never. moving it's always moving it's you know it comes from the word active mm. <laughs> yeah no literally you know? so it's I mean, kind of it's not a static mm. word it's also an accessibility thing um 
I think I'm really all about like one of my favorite things to do is when I go to a museum and I see a work of art and I just want to go to the gift shop and yeah, I want to buy like buy something. 10 postcards and yeah, take them yeah. home because I want a bit of that art but yeah. I can't obviously I'm never going to be afford to pay millions for like a listen. Um, I mean yeah, one you, day listen, you just <laughs> let's live in the present who knows what the future is going to bring literally right <laughs> but I love it when someone's like oh I love that piece of work but I'll never have it and in my head I'm like wait a minute I'll turn it into a postcard and yeah, I'll, yeah. you know you can buy it for pound fifty because at the end of the day I rather you have something of mine that you enjoy and you can you know get inspired from and maybe make something of your own yeah. um and I love that accessibility front in this in this like fact of artwork should be enjoyed it should be taken home it should be appreciated well it's a combination isn't it if you know if we think about you as a brand you know as as a creative There's an there's one element of that that then allows them to buy into your world. You know they're kind of yeah. aligning on some level with your values and they're buying into your world. But then there's also um, the side of it when it's got a level of messaging or activism that if someone aligns with the message that you're putting out there, then as you say you don't want the price to be prohibitive for them to join that sort of revolution or movement. It's kind of yeah. you know it's. Um, you can think that but you can't have it you know so i you know I, i kind of really appreciate your um sort of thinking and working around the important thing being the, the message and the and the sort of process and journey yeah um, because not all is like that is it i mean it become quite classist it can become quite um subjective as far as style and at, <laughs> There's no wrong or right anyway, is there? It's not science, it's not maths, it's not... No. So we can't ever tell anyone that they're wrong. And even though there are art critics, food critics, someone saying that it's good or bad is never... It doesn't mean anything. No. Because it's not good or bad. It's either to your taste or it's speaking to you in that moment on that level. Or yeah. it's not. And the idea in some ways, I mean, people can analyze the provenance, the, the you know, the roots, uh, yeah. the, as much as they want. But the bottom line is, um, it's only worth what someone will pay. It's only relevant to it aligning with someone else's way of thinking, isn't it? It's totally. I think I think also, though, I think with like any project that I do, it has to, I have to do a lot of research into it. Because yeah. if I just make something and then Um, I kind of put it out in the world. It's kind of very 2D. There's yeah. just like this this thing, but it, it hasn't got any depth to it. So yeah. I love kind of like doing a project um, and like really kind of like getting to the source of like the history behind it, like the yeah. influence, what's like, is this a sustainable thing to put out into the world? Like yeah, what effect, yeah, what yeah. effect is it gonna have? Like probably small because you know like I'm not I'm not kind of like anyone one big but it's just important that you have kind of some contextualization surrounding yeah. the artwork yeah. um I put a, a toilet um installation into the Royal Exchange and it was a installation to do with waste and I kind of made fake poo and this it was this whole thing and <laughs> how did that go down <laughs> um, shit yeah well <laughs> literally it was really funny like these bankers came in because um and like Fortnum and Masons was downstairs and they were like why is there a toilet upstairs and I was like oh it's an art it's an art project and they were like this is so 
weird like why would you do that and I love that because it started a conversation yeah they it's then, challenging thinking isn't it yeah. yeah and they read the context and they were like oh my god yeah toilets and bathrooms are like really fascinating places mm. and they have like massive histories to do with queer history they yeah, have yeah. like histories um a lot of big conversations happen and <laughs> big conversations happen <laughs> in toilets potentially life-changing conversations sometimes exactly um and activities <laughs> many... whether they're always as life-changing i mean that depends <laughs> i mean it depends on the toilet doesn't it, de- it well i don't know does it depend on the toilet or does it depend on the people M- maybe <laughs> maybe i've gone to some horrible toilets in my life (laughs) (laughs) so talking about uh shit and waste i want on the flip side of asking you what brings you joy and happiness i wanted to ask you what brings you stress and anxiety um probably the fear that um my so i have really bad ocd um i have checking ocd um, so explain to people what that means. So basically, I, for example, I, before I go to bed, I have to check that all the plugs and the light switches and the gas and the fridge and everything is kind of like off. Yeah. Um, so every night I spend kind of like an hour doing the checks before I go you to bed. You know that every day you have to allocate that time. Yeah. So if you want to go to bed at 10, you know that you've got to start your at routine. nine, yeah. yeah. Or if I, like, for example, if my friends want to go out and I I know that I've got to go out, out it means that if I'm going to get drunk, then yeah. I need to do all the checks before then. So you would do that before. So yeah. You now, so you have, you've managed it in a way that you build into your My time. life, yeah. Yeah. But for a long time, like, when you kind of, like, when I developed OCD, um, was that was, based on... It was life. Yeah, it was basically yeah, life events, um, and it kind of came as like a natural coping mechanism yeah. to just wanting to be in Take a safe some control. Yeah, in my was it the safety or the control or a bit of both? I think it's the control. I've moved twenty seven times in twenty five years. Wow, yeah, um, that's a lot. Isn't and it? then my home, which was like my home base, yeah, um, there was like an earthquake, and so it kind of like destroyed. So explain a little bit of this, because I've, I've not mentioned this in an intro, yeah, but it's pretty sorry. massive. It's Yeah, um, so there was an earthquake in 2016 in my um, local area in a region called Le Marche in Italy, and um, basically kind of like devastated like towns and villages, and my home... It's in devastated and wiped out. Kind of white, yeah, pretty much, like depending yeah. on where you were located. But the funny thing is with an earthquake is that the earthquake happens and it's yeah. once and you think oh like the house is fine like we can mm. still live here but because the land is so unstable there's actually earthquakes and tremors for a year after so mm. your house might be fine but then it was kind of funny because two weeks later another earthquake hit and then another one would hit right. and so it was kind so you're of living on the edge i mean you kind of yeah you can't it's almost i mean i guess sort of almost uh symbolic of of other kinds of trauma isn't it when you when you're in any kind of um abusive situation or any vulnerable situation in your life yeah you the not knowing can be part of oh yeah the eggshells and so it's not even the event 
always as much. It's the not knowing when the event's going to happen, or like we said with an earthquake. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's such not a even shock. just the impact. It's the fear of f- further impact or the fear of yeah. what might happen, and not the un- unknown, isn't it? It's a massive. It's the unknown on all levels with 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 other kinds of. It's it's the unknown that can be totally unsettling. And it's and I think it was like during that time I. I was actually, during that time, I was fine. I was kind of... How old were you at this stage? Um, 19. Okay. So I kind of left home and I, I, was, I was in London, I was at uni, and it wasn't really um, that, you know, I, I was kind of coping, it was fine. But then I decided to do these things, like I decided to um, live on a houseboat, and then the houseboat got burgled, and then it was so kind it's of like, the same, like, the, it wasn't, like on retrospect. It was, was that, like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> no, add to your level of <laughs> unsettled. Literally, and I think it was like all these things then mounted up, and then my parents got divorced, and a lot of stuff came with that, and I was still kind of moving around a lot, and I just. I remember saying to my boyfriend at the time, like, all I need is just to be in one place and just live in one mm. place and just feel secure. And then in COVID, we were completely locked down. And in COVID, this kind of urge to just check that everything's okay constantly um, kind of happened. So it's only started with lockdown, the, the sort of this kind of routine of... This, the routine started. It was a little bit before Because it was then. when you stopped. So it was the point of not being a not keep moving. Yeah. So in some ways, the keep moving kept some of these habits because you just were in the moment and surviving. Yeah. And it was when you stopped that then. Yeah, I needed. You to had kind nothing of... else to. You weren't focusing on moving or moving around or. Yeah. So you was... ha- you then focused on what you could control. Literally, and these intrusive thoughts would come in, and um, I would basically yeah, I'd have to kind of do the checks and they've got a lot better like I'm at therapy and I work a lot with what I can do because it's mm. affected obviously my relationship with my boyfriend a lot yeah. and I kind of it's weird with OCD because you kind of look back to the person that you were before who never had to do any of this stuff mm. and you mourn for them like you grieve for them because yeah. you're you're not that person anymore like you can't just go out and like have a great time you can't just go like get drunk after work because mm. you, you know that like then you won't be in a state of full control and you can't do the checks and it's like does, this... that, does, does that prohibit you going into situations of losing control yeah literally um and so it's kind of like this you feel really isolated and alone and I, it was it has been one of the biggest stresses of my life like it's affected so many things um like even like parties and stuff with friends who I hadn't seen for like two years because mm. of lockdown. I wouldn't, I couldn't go because I would be so anxious. Like, what if the house would burn down when I left? I mean, you've got, I mean, you you need to give yourself some <laughs> kindness and credit because you've gone through a lot and that whole idea of literally, not just figuratively, literally losing your home and then sort of the emotionally, you know, you've had uh, sort of having different traumas um through your life parents divorcing another unsettling so there's yeah. lots of things that um have happened it, you're not you've not created this out of nothing <laughs> you know you kind of you yeah i think you like we kind of this we, i've been talking in some of them you know the stories we tell ourselves around a lot of this you've not made this up from nowhere it's a True. reaction to your circumstance totally and you know it's um it's understandable, mm. but maybe not maintainable for you for long term 
mm. sort of mental health maybe but that as you say that's something you're working through so how have you so this is a newer um mm. sort of uh thing that you're dealing with how then has your artwork changed since you've gone into this phase has that come out through your arts at all no it's funny because my artwork's actually got a lot freer okay so it's kind of like i've lost all control with my art and i'll okay. literally do everything and anything that i want to okay which I amazing. feel I know which is amazing. So maybe that's you know every you know I've got the tattoo. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, we just don't always know what it is, and maybe, maybe some of that has 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 given your artwork a, mm. something that wouldn't happen without it. Maybe I I also think that um, my boyfriend calls me the tidiest artist he's ever known, and so I'm have like, you got a tidy palette? <laughs> I look. I, I look at what I do, and I'm like, "This is such a mess." But then I look so the around the room. So the output is messy. This the output. So the, the messy. final work is messy, but yeah. the 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 bit around it. <laughs> yeah, it's like so kind I mean, of it's... like in like really neat and kind of like not like I think I find it's an interesting contradiction, isn't it? It's very interesting, and I talk to my therapist a lot about this, and um, we kind of talk about kind of like childhood upbringing and stuff, and. Yeah. And she's like, she talks to me about my experience in mm. kind of like the home and what the home was like for me and how when I was little, kind of like the people around me would kind of like put on a presentation to everyone else, but then yeah. it'd be in the home, they'd be very different. bouquet. Yeah. Of. And then in like my experience. So it was almost like a, it's almost like a piece of art. It was a, it was a, an external shield yeah. that showed whatever projection mm. they felt was required or yeah or expected and then in in the home it was completely different and yeah. so it's, she said it's a bit like my work in the sense that when i in the, the, in reverse, the home you're I'm showing the, the chaos and then keeping literally it. <laughs> yeah and and it's funny because any everyone who comes to like um like my house they're like wow it's like i feel like with ocd there's a big thing being like oh you have you're so clean and you're so tidy not always the case it's no. mine's checking so it's always like everything is kind of like in it's order a safety of, kind of connection yeah yeah but when they they come over and they're like wow nothing's plugged in like everything's off like how is this so organized and i'm like well i don't know <laughs> put a lot of time into <laughs> yeah, it yeah I, I do i put a lot of time into it um yeah. But then everything that I create is so different and honest and kind of out there. And I think it's because everything was so switched in my childhood. Yeah. And then now I'm just like, no, I must be so honest. I must be so like Authentic. out there yeah. that everyone's going to think, wow, like, oh, my God, this is too much. Like, this is too much. Mm. Um, interesting. Which is very interesting. Um, but I wonder if there's some point in the future where... Um, you'll take people on a journey that they see the chaos at the front and that organised behind. Maybe. I mean, there's almost some scope for an installation around that, I would say. <laughs> Maybe. You know, it's kind of, I think for anyone, there's there's the end product and then there's the journey or process. Mm. And very often, you know, the interesting bit um, is the process, isn't it? It's, oh, it's yeah. a bit behind it. I mean, even on my sort of personal journey, everyone's probably bored of me to say but but is you know is is kind of dealing with past traumas and then sort of self-worth but the bit that's happened along the way so the fuck it button is kind of part of what's come out yeah. of um my journey you know i lost my brother when i was 14 and um that stemmed sort of ignited 
my fuck it button. But the bit that's happened in the journey is this comedy I'm writing, which oh, is wow. which is which is <laughs> it's like the journey to fuck it button. It's really interesting because it's like the bit behind. Yeah, and um, it's that's like very different mm. to what this look like the fuck it button stuff looks like. But it's the yeah. journey to it, and it's all the bit. It's all that madness around it which um, is so important and yeah. like it's you wouldn't be able to have got there without that no journey and without any of that kind of the people that you met probably on that journey as well who have yeah. influenced it and i think it's you know we focus so much about the end there's there's a <laughs> i never thought i'd be saying this there's a really interesting podcast series by johnny wilkinson oh, really? <laughs> did not ever anticipate these were words that would come out of my mouth but but it is and actually he's actually really interesting <laughs> cricketer um, and I heard him on someone else's podcast and then actually went deep diving into his and partly I think there's the case for a lot of sports um, mm. professionals that they are so focused always on the goal on the award mm. on, on the, and the winning the medal and the race winning the race it's an end 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 always yeah. the training is just to get you there to True. get you to the Olympics yeah. and they don't focus on the process no, yeah, and and actually, what he's done in in changing his you know life and sort of not doing it professionally now, is now going on this journey to focus on the journey bit. Yeah. and he in, interviews a lot of people that are around that, whether it's neuroscientists and and it's not all like the famous people that are on the book tour. It's yeah. like interesting people that are helping his journey, Amazing. and it's a really interesting process because yeah, you know, and I've heard it spoken of a lot of people and even. Um, Kelly Holmes and quite a lot of yeah. sports people that have talked about this whole change when they retire from professional sports of moving into a journey of being around the the process and I think yeah. it's it's interesting isn't it it's, it's um the process is definitely part of it and I also think that's why I love being an artist yeah because nothing it's a, the whole thing is and yeah. like you're never ever going to make the masterpiece you're never ever going to because it's always in like the small little instances that you make something you're like oh I've not tried this before oh like this is a weird sculpture that I've just made and it's kind of like that stuff is way bigger than the stuff that you'll probably make at the end like yeah. the the public might only see kind of like one percent of that thing yeah. whereas everything it's else it's like the sketchbook behind the painting isn't it even when you study even, yeah you know, you it's study way more interesting it's the scrapbook that goes with it yeah i find it so interesting i love it it is it is and i think sometimes be, be, you know you you do i'm now teaching university in the studio it's like the that's the interesting bit when you get to know what what the students are up to, the thought processes behind coming in that bit, don't they? The yeah. mood boards behind it. So I just wanted to ask you, um, fuck it button, your yeah. earliest memory <laughs> of consciously pressing your fuck it button. Oh, God. Now this is, this is you consciously saying no to fear, overthinking, shame, judgment, um, and making change, big or small, but. I've got like, my, the thing is, is my fuck it button comes up every time that I work. Okay. Um, and I feel like my the, the first memory of it is probably when I first started drawing. And... Um, when was this? This is just after the earthquake. And I was kind of drawing these martini ladies because... And I don't know where they stem from. How, but long, they, how long ago is this? 
Um, about 2016, 17. Okay. And they kind of like, it was when Instagram didn't have an, an algorithm and it was just yeah. kind of like, you could cool post stuff and sometimes they'd get loads of likes and you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I started sharing these like martini ladies and people really liked them and I didn't mm. really understand and like people were getting tattoos of them and it was really weird. Um, and that of your drawings of that of those drawings and they were like just naked ladies at the bar being like darling love yourself or like um the greatest um uh, middle finger is self-love or something and stuff like that and yeah. like so there's messaging yeah so it was a female empowerment kind of message. yeah and i never meant it to be part of like this choose like love yourself movement and this kind of like choosing yourself and yeah. and kind of because i feel like that got wishy-washy but yeah. it was very much like that yeah and i for a long time i just thought oh no like these are mine they're in, like they're just naked women they're kind yeah. of embarrassing and i came from a kind of like very um like a, a upbringing which was kind of like quite um like we there was like no kind of like nakedness More and, that. Yeah. yeah um and so me draw, sharing these drawings of like naked women with like speech bubbles was like whoa a bit wild like where yeah. did they come from so even just as far as the visual or vision of these women where d where did your inspiration come from i this is the thing i like try and think back and i have no idea really yeah um it was just like naked ladies i like i look at the first drawings i did of them and it was just always um, had you seen pictures anywhere or? maybe it was just maybe i just put the martini and i i think it comes from the feeling that i had when i had was holding like a martini glass okay. like this kind of like badass like alter yeah. ego state and i did make a whole alter ego she was yeah. called sally um but sally was my fuck it button like okay. i could do okay, anything so through sally. sally so this was <laughs> so it was an alter ego and and how did she um appear how was sally used or so Sally came about when I was drawing the Martini Ladies and my best friend at the time was like, these are amazing. Like, let's be the Martini Ladies. Okay. And so we used to kind of go out to like bars and restaurants. I know it sounds so ridiculous. Sounds brilliant. And I'd be Sally. <laughs> Wish I was there. <laughs> no, it, was, it was a good time. I'm not sure who it would have been. <laughs> um, I was Sally and she was Meg. And we would kind of, I know, really weird. And we'd like go. So you were like from an American, like... Um, Harry, meets, Harry meets Sally type kind, kind of, of <laughs> Thurman yeah. Louise kind of Li literally like Thurman Louise to a T but it was it was a very weird time because at the time I didn't really know much about feminism like mm. I I actually had no real knowledge on it if you asked me if I was a feminist I would probably be like uh, no um, because I didn't actually have any um, understanding or education on the subject yeah. I was very kind of like just like a woman just trying to and like nav think. yeah navigate through kind of like late teens um and sally basically gave me a voice where i could say that i love myself and say that i love my body and say mm. that um women are amazing and say actually fuck you like i don't want to sleep with you kind of thing yeah, i just so want to have a good time all the things that you maybe didn't have the confidence to say as yeah you, as exactly and then and my best friend, when we would do it together, it was kind of like, we were like the martini ladies, we were like these older women who were like, you know, telling their grandchildren to like, just go for it, fuck it, fuck like it. do what yeah, you want to do. Yeah, literally yeah. kind of like, 
it was like giving myself like a hug and having like yeah. an older person basically be like you can do anything you want to darling and she would always have like a darling on the end and it was just not me I was not that person so when but I how was did that feel becoming Sally what was that feeling then of being this person that had that confidence that yeah. could do anything <laughs> how did she feel how did it feel being her it was amazing I think it was really fun one of the most like fun years of my life and even for my me and my best friend when we would pretend to be her them were you pretending I don't know I never know because it's such a like we haven't really spoken about it since I mean even on our phone like my you know she still saved as Meg the original um martini lady the OG the OG and so kind of like we still when I every time I message her she's still saved in my phone as Meg but it's more that we're not those we've developed into our own people but without those two martini ladies we probably wouldn't be the people that we are today so they were like she was my first fuck it you can do whatever you want and you can you can put tits on t-shirts and sell them and that's how I started doing what I do um do you miss her no I feel like I am now her okay (laughs) so you so you for for that year you were taking on a persona that felt like an alter ego a version Mm. of you that you didn't have the confidence to be but in being her Mm. you've now become her maybe yeah. yeah amazing I've never actually spoken about this in length yeah Um, I mean I think it's but isn't it that whole idea of you know however you dress it up in different forms whether it's manifesting whether it's you know affirmations whether it's you know um, fake it till you make it blagging it winging it you know all of these things it's kind of almost on an sort of maybe to an extreme level as far as a sort of more heightened version yeah but but equally it was using, I mean, I guess a lot of people say this even like a drag, don't you know, that it's kind of allows you to become a part of yourself. Yeah. That you don't have the confidence without it to have, but then that becomes more a part of you. And it's, it's a, a tool within your journey to gain more connection to yourself, confidence, self-worth. Mm. It's very true. I mean, even like, I think when it's I first started dating my boyfriend, he was like, when we first, like after six months, he kind of understood what Sally was and, and Meg and everything. So Sally happened after you'd met? Uh, before. Okay, um, so he didn't he met meet me Sally. Half, no, well, he did like <laughs> Well, half, now he has Sally I mean, every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> Darling. <laughs> um, but like at the kind of like it's end role of play, it. Role yeah, play. Yeah, play. <laughs> so does she Sally. come out in the bedroom? Uh, no, not really. She's more kind of like... <laughs> He's she's more like, in the bar. Yeah, she's more <laughs> at the bar or like in really awkward situations. And I'm always like, what would Sally do? Like, okay. what would she so do? So you still use her as a reference? Sometimes. If you feel unsure or insecure yeah. about. If I'm things. like, and yeah. also, especially when like, you know, it's when you're having really hard conversations and you really yeah. don't want to have them. And I'm like, okay, what would Sally do? And Sally would like basically talk about them, but she would use humour as a way to kind of like make something more kind of like lighthearted but have a serious conversation so you're not kind of like getting defensive starting an argument um are you describing who you are or want to be but kind of yeah not quite giving yourself the confidence or self-worth to do it basically yeah and it's and it's um it's been such a journey because i feel like she's sally's had many different forms 
Um, <laughs> and it's and she physically, figuratively, all of the all things. of the above. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it's funny because my boyfriend's always like, "What would Sally do?" When I'm like really feeling, does nervous. he embrace it then as a tool that you use? He used to, yeah. We don't, I don't actually use Sally that much anymore. But he, he used to. He'd be always like, "Oh, Sally," and like even when I stopped kind of drawing the Martini ladies mm. and and moved in a different direction, he was very much like, "I miss them. Like I really miss yeah. them." And even my friend, you know, my best friend and her parents and the people that I kind of like had influenced or like they'd connected with these characters and mm. like the fun things that we would do the experiences that we would have they would miss they would say I really miss them like where have they gone and I would be like well I've kind of just moved on like they're in but my have past you? no because every time I draw a martini it reminds me but I think it was my definitely my first she allowed me to like be like fuck Press it your fuck it and how did that how does the fuck it button feel how did how did sort of saying yes to Sally and becoming Sally feel what's that ultimate yeah. feeling what's so the... like oh, I know it's really cliche but so yeah. empowering it's yeah. just like you feel free yeah you feel scared like there's a yeah. terrified yeah but at the same time so that's quite feel... a nice feeling yeah. isn't it I mean that, like... that they say the sort of the physical and chemical reaction and feeling of excited and nervous are the same yeah exactly you know? and, and that's why I mean I think it's Mel Robin I think it's a Mel Robin's thing Oh, Gabby, I think it's Mel Robbins that it's when you feel nervous, just tell yourself you're that excited. you're excited <laughs> and trick the trick the brain because Amazing. the physical reactions the same. <gasps> so it's that. a tool that she used. She talks about science wise because the physical is the same. Wow! So all you have to do is play with the mind. Okay. Because a thought, it, you know, I've said this more yeah. than once. You know, thought is then what becomes the emotion that becomes a behaviour. Yeah. So. You That's know, it. it's it's changing it's, the thought that then will change your emotional attachment to it. Yeah. And then you will then behave according to what you told yourself. It's very true. And it, that's so, what I'm, I mean, even with the OCD stuff, I'm literally rewiring bit. Yeah. My, my brain to make myself Do you feel believe safe. you can with that? Do you believe that you, through, in time, yeah. do you believe it's something that you can, I don't think, you have the power to change? I think, change? Re, I mean, my, my brain wasn't, like this before no. and I think the pathways that I've built I call them the trenches and mm. um, that I've built because of the stuff that's happened I can make new trenches yeah those trenches might not ever go away that. but they might get like filled with like leaves and cobwebs and yeah. stuff and well, then one glitter. day yeah and then and like the the more that I use new trenches the old trenches will kind of like become soften up and yeah kind of and fade. kind of like fade but yeah. they will always be there I think well, there'll probably always be a scar of them of some kind exactly yeah. um so I do really believe that you can rewire your brain well there's the, a the scarring of them it will be the reminder of the wound that led you to the new trenches exactly yeah, yeah. um and I think that's important and it's even like uh, I think someone told me that with, with any anxiety that you have if you don't like heal or address that anxiety or kind of like put it into something where your energy is focused in something good mm. then that will just manifest itself into something else and I do yeah. genuinely believe that if I don't like start a new glittery trench yeah. my OCD will transform into something else yeah. which may not be a good thing um what so do you I think just that might be I don't know it could it could be anything um yeah. and I never thought I would never I was never going to be the person that thought I'd have OCD like I never but was when, that person. But when people hear this and hear you talking about it, and you know you're a very smart, sort of friendly, personable, 
seemingly together person. Now I know that might not feel the case <laughs> internally, <laughs> but you 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 know you're very um, uh, seem you seem together in your approach. You seem to understand much of what you, your journey, and I'm sure you know you work very hard on a lot of this, but. I guess people's perception of someone that's struggling with such a severe level of of something that is on some levels debilitating yeah. they you might not sound like people's perception and I think right. it's good for people to hear but I think also understanding how life can change and and yeah. can have an impact isn't it but 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 you talking about having the belief to have that impact to change it is is I think very inspiring and hopeful for you and for other people that yeah. struggle with it. It's, I um, think I think we're using can... your art. So I mean, going back to your art, you know, using that then as a yeah. tool to help you. Totally, and I think you can definitely. I think, you know, they're just pathways that in our mind that we can definitely change. Um, it's just it takes so much. It's fear, like it is genuine fear, because the brain doesn't like to go to new places. No, so. You know, the brain and the body doesn't like change. Does not like change. No. And so you might be in uttermost turmoil. Yeah. Okay. But that feels safe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No one's so, talked that before. Yeah. I, literally. I, I mean, you know, when you <laughs> talk with other guests that, you know, and I relate to too, that when you're used to challenges always being there and you've gone through a huge amount and yeah. when you get used to having to be in that kind of problem solving fight mode, you know, challenges it becomes a comfortable place and then and then yeah. it you know it can be that you get to a comfortable safe space and maybe that's what lockdown was and you throw challenges in there because it's like no nah, we're not gonna have it easy we want to fight something we want to literally solve something here you go here's something to deal with you thought you were in stillness in the pandemic but no fuck you you're having something else literally you know and we kind of and create these things sometimes yeah. to just create situations just to make ourselves our lives a little bit harder it's and true it's interesting and kind of you it's know so it's exhausting exhausting <laughs> but then equally you know it potentially a safer easier space than 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 building the skills to deal with the silence or the the peace which isn't isn't so familiar yeah so we talked about first memory of fuck it button what would you say is your biggest memory. fuck it button moment Okay. Could be recent, could be a long time ago. Um, I think I have quite a few recent ones. Yeah. Um, I, I Give think, us them all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the biggest one and then all of them are out. Um, my biggest one was probably the day I decided that I'm not a brand anymore. I know that okay. sounds really weird, but... No? I found my I found it so hard to call myself an artist. Okay. I found it important. No one in my family had been an artist. Artist. No one that I knew was really an artist. They were all working professionals. I went to drama school, but you know, no one calls themselves an artist, mm. an actor, or you know, they they're kind of like working in the industry in in kind of like film and production. So mm. it was it was really hard to get to that point, and I called myself kind of like a creative business or like mm. a brand or and um kind of set this whole thing up as a business so that I wouldn't have to deal with the fact that at my heart and at my true core 
I was really an artist okay. and most people go the other way they're an artist and then they have to set up a brand kind of yeah. like around themselves to kind of like then market themselves and get themselves into gallery yeah. I went the other way which was like I'll do the business stuff yeah and then and then I'll really give in so how is it so sorry sorry you t tell us then when the fuck so you've you made the change to yeah so I I got a commission to do some paintings in Hong Kong and they were describing me as an artist. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so uncomfortable. This is like so wrong. Was it some level of like imposter syndrome? Or? I think it was. Yeah. It was like, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not. So you it's know. a self-worth thing. It was definitely a self-worth yeah. thing. And from on the back of that, I then thought, okay, I'm going to go do my master's and in lockdown at Camberwell in London. And again, everyone was calling me an artist. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so intense. So you just didn't connect with that word? I didn't connect. And then I listened to a podcast by Grayson Perry. And he said the most terrifying thing that he ever did was he was like in a meeting and someone said, so what do you do? And he said, I'm an artist. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's so terrifying. I can't believe yeah. he would say that. And it happened. I remember I was... We were kind of, I just turned to my boyfriend because he never knew what to call me. He said, oh, you've got some creative business. Um, my was, family, our children, all of them, they don't like, what do you do? You <laughs> second jump? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> Literally, and it's so hard to like, kind yeah. of knit the nail on the head. And I knew this word was right. And I know it sounds so like shallow and like It doesn't not... sound shallow at all. I think it's, you know, we, it's difficult as creatives and freelancers. And I've, I have talked about this before, not here, but, you know, ask me what who I am, not what I do. Yeah, you know, it's, that's it. it's it's a really difficult question when you do lots of things because yeah. I know the things that I've done at different points. You know, I do styling, I was an art director, da, 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 da. like it's not confusing to me and no. I managed to get but as soon as you're asked that question, you yeah. know, it's it can be quite confronting and not in a way that you know, it's challenging what you do, and then you then it taps into the whole self worth. It does. And, it does. And you're, you know, we can have portfolio careers. It's okay. I, I mean, I didn't yeah. learn that word till much later after having spent years doing lots of different things. Mm. I'm like, well, it's all when you when you come down to it, it's based on your values yeah. and your creativity. I, add, you know, you are a passionate, driven activist, you know, yeah. feminine. Da 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 da. You you are those things. What you do is art. Yeah. Exactly. And you know. it was, it's, and that's it. And I think for a long time, I just, and then I was just kind of like, fuck it. I am an artist. Fuck it. Literally, fuck it, fuck, it. fuck it. I was just like, fuck it. I'm an artist. And I remember like telling my boyfriend being like, I'm an artist. And he'd be like, okay, you're an artist. I'd be like, yeah, I'm an artist. And then we'd like go to like events and he'd be like, oh, I do this. And then I'd be like, yeah, I'm an artist. And he'd be like, my girlfriend's an artist. And it took such a long time. Keep saying it. I know. I had to like but keep being felt like. But probably for you and other people, didn't it? Because whether terrifying. you have a brand or you're an artist to other people they might they might have almost thought it was the same thing anyway or they might have totally not seen the line but for you as a sort of ownership of that word and self-worth it's, so it's bigger yeah terrifying and I think eventually I, I realized I looked at kind of like other business models and what other people in my industry and my influencers were doing and they were all calling themselves artists and I was mm. like I'm exactly the same as you we're an artist yeah um and it was I, again, I, re I remember going to my um, kind of like boyfriend's parents' house and they were like, so how's kind of like the fashion stuff going? Because they like, they pinned me under that thing and mm. I was like, well, actually it's art. <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh yeah, we thought so. 
<laughs> I was like, this is so weird. I was like, why have I kind of like mixed this whole thing up when that's just what I am? I'm like, fuck mm. it, I'm an artist and I'm yeah. just gonna enjoy it and I'm gonna like be so proud yeah. that I am. Um, well, we're all so fixated with labels, aren't we? And I think it's it's yeah. it's important for you because it's about the connection you have with it. Mm. And if it's connected to some level of perception and self-worth from you know from past from family from from mm. any any um anyone else around us we kind of we pin our the perception of ourselves on what other people think yeah literally. really all the you know you're the only one that's important and yeah. it's really yeah and if it was empowering to reclaim that word i think then yeah then that's all that matters i guess also reclaiming the word i knew that the responsibility of with coming with that was that i had to be authentic and so yeah. when I kind of like with the brand and the business, you can kind of like cover up your, you know, you're a business, so you don't really mm. need to be you. But yeah, then you can hide behind yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So but, there's a level of exposing yourself. Exactly. And yeah. I knew that it was really freeing, but also really um, confronting um, when I shared that. But then since doing that kind of like, you know, I had a, a really big health scare recently and I kind of shared that all online and people were like, why are you doing this? And I was like, well, because I like, I want to, and I find it fun, and it's part of my artwork, and yeah. I, I, I want to. You feel to, like you have to explain yourself. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just want to be like, you know, it's about what I'm making, like it's not actually far away from that, and because my work's about daily life and freedom from expression, I have to just kind of like be honest with what I'm doing and mm. how I'm m learning and failing and making mistakes and saying the wrong thing and, and yeah. all of that stuff. Um, which I think is great, but the word artist, which was the the kind of like the big fuck it, I'll do all these things, was the the pressure the to be. Moment. Yeah. So your work is, I mean, one would say it's it's a collection of fuck it buttons, you know, that you're you're kind of pushing against, um, I guess, the norm as far as the message, some of the messages you're putting out there. You're, you you use your art as a form of expression and storytelling um each time you're creating a a piece of work or a series or a whatever does it feel so the moment you've said you had a scare that you're creating this collection you've done you yeah. did the whole toilet thing the poo thing the yeah. a lot of naked women and around body positivity and you yeah. know some of your I guess journey around connection to your own body and perception. So each series that you do, for example, does do you have to find a fuck it button each time? It's like if you're gonna expose another area of you mm. know, you or, or your journey or storytelling, does yeah. each time feel like a it you've does. got to, you've got to find the button to be able to let go to put it out there? Yeah. There's a moment of there's, kind of... there's a moment um, and it's weird because sometimes things develop and you don't know where they're, they're coming from yeah. and then eventually like it'll be like two years later and you'll be like oh that's what I was doing oh my god fuck it like let's yeah. go with this yeah. this is amazing yeah. but it takes time to get there yeah. like even with the whole toilets thing I'm working on a project at the moment and it's taken me a long time to kind of like be like, fuck yeah, I'm the toilet girl. I'll do installations <laughs> in toilets, yeah. But like before then I was like, oh. And like, 
sometimes I get people online being like, why would you want to work in toilets? They're disgusting, they're dirty and all this stuff. And it is just saying, fuck it to like all of that stuff. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, you know, I knew Dame Debs that unfortunately, you know, yeah. we lost more recently. And I remember, you know, we did a few different walks, runs together and she was, she was bowel cancer. Yeah. And in so the sad. early, I remember chatting with her at a different point. It's it's not the glamorous cancer. It's not, no. the, it's not the boobs. It's not, you know, mm. other parts of the body. It's, it's the poo. It's yeah. the, and obviously now her legacy is raising awareness. And, and the bottom line is it's trying to reduce cases of, yeah. you know, sort of further down the line stages of cancer. And so her journey yeah. was have initial you know embrace the fact that you've got this mm. illness but then also as far as becoming um an ambassador and influencer around this to raise awareness it was owning that yeah. poo the, the unglamorous side of it and you it's can't so choose no you <laughs> can't you know if your art is around your journey and story and as a form of expression and communication yeah. you don't get to choose the topics you don't and, and it's so and it's <laughs> and so funny to choose unfortunately the 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 kind of um you don't get to choose yeah these these the traumas or the 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 things that happen to us that are more unfortunate so you yeah. either use it to help other people i mean it is it comes down to intention a bit doesn't it yeah. Is if your intention in raising awareness around any of these topics, the toilets, mm. has a purpose, a oh, meaning, yeah. and you know a point yeah. to inspire and help other people, then totally. it really doesn't matter. No, totally. And I think if front. it comes from a lived experience of like your lived experience was out of, you know, I never really had that much kind of like knowledge about the art world and although like I traveled a lot when I was younger and my mum would introduce me into amazing artists it was never really much on my radar radar like it was always on a pedestal for me I never went into galleries yeah I didn't really understand like what the art world was it felt very distant from me so the toilets is about kind of like putting it in an everyday mundane yeah. space and then breaking that pedestal of like fine art being in this kind of like white gallery box format yeah. Um, well, it's amazing that you're you you know that you're able to bring it to more people and and use it so. as a way to bridge that gap between like sort of the classism within art, yeah. which there's so much of. There's you know. so much, yeah. And and what you were saying about kind of like Debbie, she was an icon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When did she pass recently? In September. Um, I'm not sure exactly when, but it's not too long. Yeah, because yeah, I, I remember because it was at the time I was, I basically got constipated for like three weeks yeah. and I couldn't poo and I shared yeah. it all over my Instagram and people were like, why are you sharing this? And I had like, my like, intestines were like blocked all the way up to my ribs and I like literally just couldn't move. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about poo and poo this and poo that and like they found a tumor on my pelvis. And they were like, my next exhibition is going to be like toilet humor or tumor. And it's like like making jokes yeah. and like funny out, like stuff out of it. But at the same time, that was also going on in the news. Yeah. And I was very much like, wow, like this is, this is not talked about. Like women no. never talk about waste. We never talk about like our bodies and like, and when something happens where like, I remember when I literally couldn't poo and like I literally couldn't, my body wasn't working properly. Yeah. I was like, this is terrifying. Like, yeah. no one really talks about that experience of you, especially being a woman when something's not like, yeah, we talk about like kind of like, 
you know, maybe like our, our periods and that, like, and that's really important. It should be highlighted. But also, what about the other stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's really important. I love listening to podcasts about kind of like activists changing the way that we kind of like look at um, bodies and look at the way that everyone is different and everyone works in yeah. a different way and how there should be accessibility surrounding that. I think it's super important. Um, but it just, it kind of made me realize that there's so much more and such a bigger conversation to be had surrounding it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, to- I mean, it's it's this whole perception of us needing to be or a certain way, isn't it? And polished and, mm. and you know, that is being broken down on all different levels, thankfully. Yeah. Um, I've got children, like teenagers and a daughter, well, they're 13, almost 13, almost 14. and. You know, may, they're horrified at the idea. I mean, we I do walk around in underwear or naked, like, and and not in their faces. And now they're really not very amused by it. But they're like, oh, just put it away. And I'm like, it's just a body. Like, chill out. What's the problem? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the conversations that she's able to have, f- feeling more free around some of that is great. And creating that safe space that it's okay if like you're having issues to do with bowel movements to do with periods to do with genitals to do with anything to do with our body i mean obviously we wear clothes because we live in a society and a country Mm. that prohibits both (laughs) temperature wise and (laughs) all other reasons socially for us to be naked so we wear clothes Mm. so we cover up certain bits yeah of course but because we're covering up certain bits it's then we only talk about the bits that are showing i know know, the nails the finger the feet the the face (laughs) so then all the bits that are hidden behind clothes we almost kind of can ignore a bit they're away they don't exist because there's a dress on top have i got a knee i don't know yeah so it's interesting and i think the more as you say the more that becomes um sort of just common practice that we embrace these conversations i mean as far as illness yeah. <laughs> illnesses are not reserved to the glamorous bits of our body no i mean they're really not so we you know all of them need raising awareness and yeah. it's um it's only going to help for future discoveries and and prohibit yeah. you know more intense illnesses so Two more things I want to ask you before I let you go after all this intense poo chat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there a moment that you would like to give yourself permission to press your fuck it button now or future? Um, Like um, right now? Yeah, could be like this minute, could be next week, could be next year, could be, is there like... uh, There's many moments. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would just, yeah, I'd love to just... Uh, live in the fuck it button mentality constantly yeah but I think that um as with many people I put my own barriers in my own way and sometimes don't just don't give myself permission to do things and then I'm like oh wait I could have just done that thing like why didn't I do that and it's like just because I've put a barrier that doesn't exist yeah in my way you need need one for the really lots of small fuck it yeah I mean some people just need to get out of bed yeah, you know, exactly. It's not, it's not reserved for like the big changes. No, definitely the not. The button literally can just be you're struggling mm. to go and have a shower. Literally. You're struggling to leave the house. Mm. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it, life's short. Literally. And I think that's that's so important. Um, 
Yeah. I'd like to give you that gift. Of Thank you. The daily fuck it. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, t- I'll treasure Take it. Take <laughs> it. I'm going to actually get you a physical button that you can oh, really? press in those moments. Oh, my yeah. God, yes. Yeah, I'm going to give you one of those. <laughs> is there, um, is there a advice you would give to our next guest about why they should press their fuck it button and what it feels like? I think, like you said, life's too short. And also the amount of freedom it gives you and the amount of like excitement and fear and fulfillment that it can give you is just out of this world. And I think if you're if you're thinking about doing something that feels a bit scary, then just do it. I say, I have this rule which is like the fifty one percent rule. Yep, isn't that that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean it's it's very sensible. And it's, it's like, like literally, and I, and I follow saved. it. Yeah, literally, and it's and it's so and like I even had a shop recently and I closed it because it wasn't fulfilling what I needed. It was draining me, and I made the decision to do it because. It was a 51%. So the 51% thing. rule is that as long as you have have certainty for 51%, yeah. then the rest is the fuck it button. Literally. It's literally. the 49% <laughs> fuck it button. Yeah. It's a risk, but like it's a risk yeah. worth taking. Yeah, it's tipped um, over the scales a little bit. Tiny, tiny, like Just, 1%. You know, enough, enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I kind of live by that rule, which sometimes does really have bad consequences but then again without the bad consequences exactly and i think that actually they're the best when they happen they're the ones that like you get the most reward from like i've got the unexpected buckets literally the unexpected buckets (laughs) (laughs) well on that note um you know you I can't wait to see how the journey goes with your art. Thank and you. already I have lots of ideas of how we're going to be working together anyway, <laughs> on a separate note. <laughs> um, but I think the idea of using your art as an expressive communication tool to deal with life events and traumas is such a gift and that you've given yourself. You know, you should be proud of yourself. You've found this 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 tool and this gift that has allowed you to move through life and make sense of it on whatever level. Um, I give you, hereby give you your daily fuck it <laughs> oh, to you. try and deal with those challenges <laughs> of, of of creating the controlled space that you, I, I give you that freedom. Thank you. Um, because I think sometimes those small fuck it's are as big and as important as the big ones. Yeah, definitely. So. They probably are the the main ones yeah mm. yeah thank you so much for coming on the pod thank you for having me thank and you so much yeah can't wait to see what happens next thanks for listening we hope that some of what you've heard today has inspired you to live in the present focus on joy and know that you only have one life so fuck it press your fuck it button and join the revolution